Welcome back and welcome new listeners. This podcast discusses topics that may not be suitable for all audiences. If you are sensitive to murder, paranormal activity, and unfortunately, child victims, this podcast may not be for you. Viewer discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Lacey. I'm Crystal. I'm Anika. And we're all we're all, we're all screwed. screwed. And we screwed that up. We went a little off topic this week and didn't start off with the podcast. So I suggest if you don't want to listen to us be inappropriate, you skip ahead to about the 22 minute mark. Thanks. Apparently, the college I worked at, at Tech, Um, apparently the students had a huge party last night, as in like, a hundred people went, and it freaked everybody out, so they shut the school down. I texted my friend. I was like, how did I not know this was going on? Like, I live right next to Tech. I was like, so how, how do I not know this? But why was I invited? For real. <laughs> I guess I'm not. I will, to be fair, cool I got rejected from Tech. We're not cool enough kind of thing anymore. It's true. Too old. That's why we talk to each other. <laughs> Speaking of that, hang on. I have to show you guys. I have to send you guys a TikTok video. That is a hundred percent us. Gonna send my ass down another rabbit hoe. Oh, mm-hmm. hoe. A rabbit. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The hoodies I'm having made uh-huh. are gonna be badass. Excited. I want to order. One. Well, yeah, we definitely have to get our own. Got a rep. Can't not promote our own shit. Like, was it the uh, Georgia? They're always like, is it? Um, what do they say? Like narcissistic to wear our own merch? <laughs> nah, for real. Oh, but I have to tell you guys. My mom and the people that she work with were very upset that we didn't have an episode last week. Blame it on me. Is that video not us? <laughs> oh, I'm missing a video. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a guy on TikTok. His name's like Officer Udi, Udi, something like that. Oh, my God. I want to climb on his face. And I go to TikTok to see all the sexy uh, cops. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm doing TikTok because I look at animals and... I listen to dogs and cats talk. Oh, I do that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm only there for the hot cops. All right, I'm there for the hot. Okay, I'm there for the hot lesbians, the hot cops. Oh, <laughs> There's also a lady on there that that tells um, prison stories because she's a sergeant at the prison there or wherever she is. I follow. Oh. She yeah. It's a lesbian chick who just makes me cry all day long. Ew. Dude, I had never been more lesbian before TikTok. I'm just being honest. <laughs> they look good with their head shaved. And I was like, maybe I. No, don't do that. Dude. I'm thinking, what is the deal with lesbian women looking so good with their head shaved? Not even lesbian women. Why are you whispering? Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. There is something about dyke women that is just so beautiful and handsome at the same damn time. Oh, thanks. I got to send you this girl real quick. Hold on. We're so bad. Okay, I'm going to send you guys this girl too because um, she's freaking hilarious. She's the prison. 
story lady. And her stories will make you cringe and laugh harder than anything in the world. Do y'all follow What About Bunny? What about who? Bunny, the doggy. No, to be honest, I don't follow anybody because I don't want to get the too dog- attached. The doggy talks. Oh my God. <laughs> talks to you will tell you outside poop he has one of the ones with the buttons oh oh i love that also follow this chick that does waxing for a living and i watch her pull out and grown hairs <gasps> ew okay i kick it on that isn't she fucking gorgeous yes oh okay i think why can't I be that confident? Oh, you should. Oh, she walks her. her bathing suit as a cow. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen her. She's fucking, she's bad. Like, like I'm like, I'm probably her size. And what won't that good. But the way she carries it, she's just like. It's so good. No, you, you should listen to her, uh, her reply to people's comments. It's hilarious. Right? Oh, yeah. That's how we found her, actually. He's like, the reason why I date women. Maybe I should start. I'm, I should start doing that, like dressing up for no reason, just like that, and being like, fuck it. But Officer Udi always says, kids ain't shit. And I want to message him on TikTok so bad and be like, can I please steal that for a t shirt? And be like, shouldn't be like, credit and everything. Killers ain't shit. <gasps> Dommer ain't I love shit. It. I don't know. I love it. I love it so much. So much. Okay, it's so to the other one. And all these girls are so, well, not young for y'all. Young for me. Those are young for me too. We're the same age. Are we? Yes. I mean, no, I mean, are we the same age? Ever? Oh, hell yeah. Hello. This is too fucking gorgeous. Uh, yeah, but I can pull that off. I can pull her off. Do not, you do not dare cut your hair. Yeah, don't oh, do no. it. I will kill you. My hair is in my ass now. I will kill you, and I know how to hide your body. That is true. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> okay. I was at lunch, and it was right at the end of my lunch, and my boss came by, and she's like, how are you doing on your spreadsheets? I was on fucking TikTok, and she scared the shit out of me, and I was like, uh, I'm still on lunch. Uh, what, what spreadsheets? <laughs> I followed a baby that has a really fat baby. She's like eight months old, and she is fat. <gasps> Is it the dancing one where they put she puts music on and it dances? I don't know. I'll send it to you. Um, she's just adorable ass baby. I mean, gigantically huge. Like a little Michelin baby, huh? I bet it's the same one I'm thinking. Oh, no, this is a different one. Look at that baby. It's only like nine months old. Oh, my God. Why weren't my babies that chunky? None of my kids were that fat. None of them. Oh, my nephew Weston, he is a little chunky junk. I just want to go up to her little cheeks and go. So Weston is not even, I mean, he's a year old, right? And he's already in like two or three teens. Yeah. And he, when he was four months old, he was already in like nine to 12 month old clothes. Oh, and both of my kids are freaking skinnyish crap. And one of them is Superman tall. And the other one like hasn't grown an inch since she was two. So I'm over here buying apples and sevens. So Halloween is canceled this year, right? I still bought it a costume. better not be. What well, is here? Apparently, if you're caught trick or treating, you're gonna get a five hundred dollar fine. What the fuck, New Mexico? I know. I'm moving to Texas. Oh my gosh! So in one of the groups I'm in, someone literally just put Halloween is gonna be canceled, girl. And I'm like, I just said that. Y'all watch this guy and tell me he's not like perfection. <laughs> All right, I'm excited. <laughs> I want to find him and get pulled over really bad. All right. He's not bad. I don't like though. Oh, I got to hear his voice. Let me turn it up. I'm big oh, on there's a guy that has like the deepest voice I've ever heard. Oh, gosh. And he is yummy. He doesn't have a beard, though. I know. You know, we could use 
serial killers ain't shit. I would feel like I think stealing from him though. No, it's not stealing. It's not the no. Anyone could have come know. up with it. You came up. You the serial killers in there. At him, at I gender my animal so horrible. <laughs> What? Oh man! Mm. No, I don't want you to open it for me. If I did open, I would open. My family has absolutely no concept of indoor voices. They only speak in caps lock. <sighs> Who are who's going first? Uh, <laughs> Kay went first last uh, when we tried earlier. Are we recording already? Oh uh, yeah, for like twenty minutes. Don't worry, I got all of our lesbian talk. <laughs> my family don't listen. Really. And even if they did, I really don't care either. Yeah, at this point, I'm like, if my mom listens, it's probably going to be the one that's awful. And I'm telling all my secrets because that's just how my life works. So, what corn dog? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to tell you guys about how my mom called me after the last episode, uh, you started. And then didn't finish. Okay. So the last episode, my mom, you know how I was talking about how I had slept with a, a carny once. Yeah. He called me and she was like, did you sleep with Will? Who was one of our friends growing up. And I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, the podcast, you said you slept with a carny. Was it Will? I said, no, it was one of his friends. Oh my God. <laughs> She's like, will. she's like, okay, oh, good. <laughs> Poor but, Will. No, Poor my mom, she already knows. I I don't know. I don't have any dark secrets, I guess, really with her. But um, so like if she hears us talking about lesbian stuff, she'll just be like, oh, well, right. It's not unusual. She, I mean, my grandpa is very like racist and like old school Southern. Mm-hmm. And so my mom's like, you need to find somebody or have a teacher that says, um, my girlfriend is black. <laughs> and so, Show up to the family reunion in Kentucky with that. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, I should. And we have a cousin that's black, and we were going to take her and like pretend that she was one of our girlfriends. <laughs> oh my God, I would so go as your girlfriend, but I can't be black for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the game's supposed to start his job Thursday. What is he doing? He's going to work at Pizza Hut. Hey, it's better than nothing. It's his dream job. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> loves pizza. Like, I'm going to refrain myself from this conversation. You know how everyone (laughs) has their food that they love? Mine's burger. Potatoes. And his is pizza. I don't think I I have that food. Really? Really? No. I like everything. Yeah, potatoes for me. I want a burger. Abby too. Like me, I want cane sauce with Chick-fil-A nuggets. And um, spinach dip from Applebee's and <laughs> fried rice. Like, I want a little bit of everything. I'm always thinking that's, that's funny. We have a new manager, right? Where I work. And she asked, you know, where do you want to end up in life? Like, what's your dream job? I was like, um, I don't think I want to set. And she's like, no, no. What I, I told her, I was like, it's probably not going to happen. And she's like, no, just tell me. Like, money was no option. All the circumstances were right. What would you be? And I went to my boss in the eye and say, I want to be a forensic serologist. <laughs> what did your boss say? The look on her face. <laughs> <laughs> that look you get when people realize you're into bloody, gory, <laughs> fucked up shit. Because <laughs> then what do you think like, of where I'm at now? I'm like, I'm reviewing claims for like, medical claims. Not, I mean, nothing close to that. <laughs> Like, she was like, oh, I was not expecting that. And I was like, yeah, most people don't. <laughs> what? All I can hear is Abby. I love to be a Abby wants to be a butterfly. Um, okay, sweetheart. Same, though. 
You can be a unicorn. How about a unicorn? What about a unicorn butterfly? Unicorns are really popular when you get bigger, I promise. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, give me a few minutes. Hold on. <laughs> oh, a little bit. <laughs> You better leave that in here. Oh, I'm leaving it. <laughs> Except you realize half the people that listen to her are going to be like, what does that mean? Yep. <laughs> Andy told me that we needed to stop filtering ourselves, so I'm not filtering shit. I agree. I don't think we should. Because the Fuck first it. times we're like all timid because we know our families are listening, but they're, except for your mom, they're all over it now. Yeah. My mom has been over it for 28 years, so... <laughs> <laughs> we've we've always had kind of an open I, I don't know what you'd call it yeah she's she pretty much knows everything my mom and I are like that too but my mom gets very scandalized <laughs> like <laughs> like the southern oh my oh bless your heart <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't really say it but that's just like how it comes off just like okay <laughs> okay like she's trying to be polite about it and she's like um but also she's been an rn for like 30 something years so she's not polite about it oh she's seen everything then yeah so being of southern i guess um my brother-in-law wanted to give my nephew his first haircut right mm-hmm. they originally started and gave him a mullet i feel like that's parental right you have to I mean, yeah. Luckily, it looked really bad, so they... Let me... Um, Is your phone dead yet? Okay, let me send you the pictures. I'm at 1%, though, so... Oh, God, you're not going to see it. Well, not right now, anyways. Somebody text Andy and tell him to bring me a charger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it's cute, but for a minute. Yeah, luckily, now he just white supremacist. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. The, the picture's still sending... Okay, there it goes. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) like both of those kids if you cut their hair too short they look like they should be like little white supremacist kids that's how Branson is I have to get it cut a specific way or it's all over isn't it so sad though that we have to like think like that like oh our kids are probably going to be those kids yeah well and I'm minority where I live so yeah Andy putting his uh like thin blue line flag and the um I don't know it says like Trump something I don't know but he put his flag mm-hmm. up and I'm like we're gonna get shot <laughs> right my brother-in-law has all his Trump flags flying too but nobody ever sees them except for me yeah we are well, we the minority in our neighborhood and we live in a very I don't know it's a nice neighborhood it's not like it's the hood yeah but still i'm like you're like push limits here just stir that pot a little bit to be fair do you know who we're talking about here i know i chose it it's my own damn fault you what i chose it it's my own damn fault i gotta live with those consequences this is true (laughs) i mean can you imagine can you okay speaking of that we're gonna go down the podcast here could you imagine being one of the wives of like I don't know like uh the BTK killer uh, or no like Ted Bundy's wife kind of yeah like he had a serious girlfriend and you can imagine like I mean you could be you could be with that yeah you know it's bad though 
whenever um, I'm whenever I was married, and I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out there and fuck anybody who gets pissed off. I could. He was the type that I could totally see being a serial killer. Like, yeah, it, it would not surprise me one bit if somebody showed up at my door one day and was like, "We need to ha- question you about such and such." I would be zero percent shocked because it was just because he acted like real, like charming and stuff in person. Um, just because he, he was so narcissistic and very, very good at gaslighting. Mm, okay, and. Um, I mean, until the end of our relationship, nobody even really knew anything. Yeah. So, and which I'll share my story one day, but I, I could totally see it like 20 years from now, somebody come back and be like, um, we need to ask you some questions. That'd be crazy. Yeah, it would. You'd be like, I am that person now. Yep. Have you listened or read um, A Serial Killer's Daughter? I feel like I've listened. It's, um, I mean, it's written by BTK's daughter. Yes. At least partially, if not all of it. Pretty good. Yeah. To anyone listening that wants to have a good read. Yeah. It it actually it actually kind of made me cry, like sad for oh. her. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I don't know. It just uh like could you imagine your parent that you loved and trust, you know, had a good relationship with? Mm-hmm. I changed my story up a lot. Did you shorten it? Uh. I can't, I shortened it, but I also kind of went about it a different way. Mm, I'm really excited to hear it. I don't know if I'm going to do it justice or not, and I don't think it's going to be what you're expecting. I bet, I bet you'll do really good. Because after all the fucking research, I completely changed my mind about everything. Uh-oh. So, I don't, like, it's, I don't, it's real and not real? I don't think you're, um gonna be expecting what i have to say is all i'm gonna say i am really excited 39 listeners mm-hmm. hanging in there real strong for real though you know what though our listeners that we are pretty freaking dedicated uh yeah because if they can listen to this shit then when <laughs> when it gets real good they're gonna be real excited <laughs> they stick around i listened to them from the very beginning when they suck <laughs> <laughs> Even when they thought they were getting better and they really weren't. We just kind of kept telling them they were getting better. <laughs> like now it really is better. But apparently though, like um my mom's coworker that she has, I guess like he not into like, like this stuff. And he kind of has to listen because my mom and her other coworker listen. Right. And but now he's like, Well, why didn't like week they're like, why didn't they record? <laughs> they're take weeks like I'm excited for Thursday. Listen, and they don't have one. That's funny. That's awesome, though. So, I was going to say, but it's cool, too, though. Like, you know, we're reaching a little bit. Yeah. Little at a time. I'm not giving up, so you bitches can't either. I'm here. I'm okay, even if we just keep talking to our 39 listeners for <laughs> <laughs> for however long we do it. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about shit we love talking about. And we would be talking about it anyway, so... Exactly. We'd be still having the same conversation. It's fine. Yeah, just not publicly. And At least we have an option that there are people to listen to it. So tonight we're going to talk about William Snuff, also known as Bill. He was born August 20th, 1950 in Torrance, California. He was the oldest of three siblings. Both his younger brothers had run-ins with the law. One was a drug addict, 
and the other one, from what everything I've read, that he was kind of a pedophile. One of his brothers was interviewed and said that Bill was a great brother. He was never violent. They squabbled back and forth like siblings, but nothing was out of the ordinary. In school, he did poorly on written subjects, but he excelled in music and shop. He was actually just known as the friendly guy around high school. Kind of nerdy, quiet to himself. He graduated from Paris High School. 1968. He was 87th out of 144. The year that he graduated high school is also the same year his parents actually got a divorce. Soon after high school, he met his first wife. Her name is Terrell at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. They were quickly married in 1969. Bill was actually in the Air Force where he was serving time as a medic. He wasn't there for his full four years. He did leave early. He said it was a honorary discharge, but who knows. At the time that they got married, Terrell was only 16 years old. His ex-wife said that he was very domineering and very jealous. She said he was always checking in on her, and it often became physical. Um, she it was always threatened, saying that she was unfaithful, you know, it was that typical thing, that jealous thing, where the guy's always like, you're unfaithful. She, He wanted her to check in at all times, and a lot of times they would fight, and it would become physical. Well, Bill and his wife, Terrell's marriage ended when he was in prison for the first time. So his first time in prison it was because him and his wife was convicted of murdering their two-month-old baby in 1973. Did she get prison time? She, they both got 70 years, but Terrell's conviction was actually overturned by the Texas Courts of Criminal Appeals due to the lack of evidence that she was involved in this beating. Gotcha. That is there's terrible. No, there's no way she didn't know that. So this little girl, two month old, was shaken and beaten so aggressively that her liver ruptured. Aww. And she died she died from the hemorrhage. But when they when they looked at her, she had twelve to thirteen broken ribs, a fractured shoulder. She had bruises all over her face and arms. There was human bite marks on her, and there was a cigarette burn that was so deep on her foot that it almost hit the bone. What the fuck? So, like I said, they were both sentenced to seventy years, and hers was reversed. But Bill's conviction remained. While in prison, Terrell fought filed for divorce in 1976. He also found out that he had lost custody of their other child, William Jr., which was a four at the time when he lost custody. He was more upset about the divorce than losing his child. Of course. He, he's quoted somewhere saying something along the lines of divorce is the second worst word in the American vocabulary after the word goodbye. So Okay, Socrates. No shit. So I'm sorry. Not- <laughs> To me, it makes me feel like he's lost control of her. So that's why he's so upset. That's why he's mad. Mm -hmm. So of his 70 years, he was released after only serving 10 years. Why does that not surprise me? He was the picture perfect prisoner is what they said. And this is in the state of Texas. So he was released in 84. Aren't they all like the best prisoners, model prisoner, whatever? Mm -hmm. And they're probably just scared of us. He was was paroled to... uh, his family home in California. It is in Riverside. He quickly met his second wife. Funny enough, her name is Cheryl. Nice. She was working at a store in Lake Ellesnore, which is right beside Riverside. She was 21 years younger than him. They dated for a few months and were quickly married in March 1990. So, I mean, he was only out six years. I think I read that he met his wife in the end of 89. So they were married within three, four months. Good God. So at this time, poor Cheryl's completely under his control. He he keeps telling her that he's like the greatest family man. He's loving all those good things. She is completely unaware that Bill has ever been in prison. Of course. He said he worked in a prison <laughs> as a security guard in Texas. 
<laughs> so he knows how the prison system works because he was a security guard. So background checks are real easy, guys. I run one. I've already had one. <laughs> you got kids. You got to do that kind of. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I have folders of background checks. That's a good thing, though. Yeah. Anika, run background checks. So Cheryl quickly becomes pregnant oh. after they get married. So I've been muted with- this whole time. I've been trying to talk. <laughs> so I'm just talking over you. Yeah. Well, I was like, why is she not hearing me? <laughs> I was going to say, my mom works for the state police department, so uh, yeah. (laughs) So, poor Cheryl should have ran a background check very much. So, she quickly becomes pregnant with a little girl, another little girl. When this baby was three months old, the baby was hospitalized for severe brain damage, three broken ribs, and a broken leg. Jesus Christ. The doctors think that the baby had shaken baby syndrome. There wasn't enough evidence to convict either one of them, and the polygraph was inconclusive. The child did survive, though, and was taken away from the parents and placed in foster care. Can we not castrate him at this point? They probably should have, but see, this is in the 1990s. He had already started his crap. So this man was actually known as the typical good guy next door. He wrote poetry. He made a a children's book. He wrote book, and he had a county award-winning chili recipe that everyone raved about. Everyone thought of him as this great family man. He was clean-cut. He didn't smoke. He really didn't drink, other than that social event. And he was very, very, very against drugs. But I think that kind of links with his brother having a drug addiction, maybe growing up. Most of his neighbors thought he was just this geeky computer nerd who liked to hack occasionally and was in love with Star Trek. He worked odd jobs a lot of times. You know, he was a clerk or he worked at a store. Nothing really think much that he stayed very long. John Service Center, where he did the phone, the mail, and customer service for about three years, he was known for buying the kids sodas and candy. That I mean, that's how when they went back and talked to the people who was around him, that's how the kids remembered him. It was, you know, the nice guy that bought you Cokes and candy at the store. He volunteered for the, the county's carpooling program. He babysat the neighbor's kids. You know, he was just all around the good guy. And during this time, all this time he was doing all these great things for the neighborhood. He was doing one of the most horrible crime sprees I've ever read about. Starting in 1986, they have his first murder, till from his first murder till he was arrested in January 9th, 1992. He has been linked up to 22 murders. All the victims were prostitutes and under the influence of drugs or alcohol or possibly both. They were stabbed and strangled or both. He raped them all. He mutilated some. He posed some. They were all found in the general, the same area. I mean, he didn't really go out of, I mean, he killed where he lived. Stayed in a so, secret zone. Yeah. I mean, they're all around this lake. That's, I mean, majority of them, I say within 20 miles of it. Wow. He was, he disposed of them he just left them after he was done with them. I mean, some are found on the beach, some are found on the side of the road, some are found in abandoned buildings, just there, like they were nothing. So he was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. He was careless, and majority of the time he left them naked. But you know, these women—they're they're someone's daughters, they're someone's mothers, sisters, someone's best friend, possibly someone's wife. You know, someone loved them, and he just leaves them like they were nothing because he feels no shame about it. I feel like he has against prostitute drug acts big time because his first wife talks about how there's a second wife. No, his second wife talks about that she came in the living room one time in their red sweater and makeup on and he told her that she looked like a prostitute and she needed to take the shit off her face and she needed to change her color or change the color of her sweater she's wearing. Hmm. So so in his eyes, these women are worthless, but they're not. I mean, these are somebody. Somebody loves people. They are worth something. Yes, they are. And that's why, I mean, what is it? They say that they're easy kills. They're easy. Because he thinks I'm going to be looking for 
Yeah, they're throwaways. But, I mean, the police, they did a good job. And the the detective that ran it, he even posted, like, you know, these are women and they mean something. These are people. They're not just prostitutes. They're not just drug addicts. These are human beings that are someone. They're doing what they have to do to stay alive. I mean, no one knows someone's story. No. No one knows. And it's not our right to look down on someone because their story is a different path from ours. Right. So, my ranting, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. I completely agree. If that's the way you got to get food on the table for your kids, good on you. So, the first body was actually found shortly after he was released from prison in late October of 1986. A um, couple months later, another one. And then in January of 1987, they found another body. Once that third body was found, the police started thinking, well, maybe we have a serial killer on our hands. It was in California, and they were actually pretty common during this time period. So, it was officially considered a serial killer when they found that fourth body. And they found that fourth body May of May 1987. They quickly put together a task force of about 14 detectives. It was actually the largest one the county had ever assembled. Oddly enough, I mean, I guess it's kind of makes sense. Once the task force is assembled, he takes a two-year break from killing people. Hmm. Either that or they just never found the bodies. Right. Uh, about two years after that's been formed, they come back in full force. He escalates very quickly and becomes more aggressive but he did start getting a little careless like on the first four bodies they didn't have there was no evidence they didn't have any fibers no fingerprints no dna nothing so now he's out of control i I think that's what i really feel like he's losing control well and if he was dormant for so long he has like now he has to he has to find that release yes so the first murder after the break was in january of 1989 he had left her body on the beach with her head buried in the sand and he had slit her throat from ear to ear but that's not even what killed her he strangled her um about six months later they found another body but on this body they actually found pubic hairs and fibers for the first time thank god but you remember it's back in the late 80s they really don't have dna the way we have it nowadays either though yeah but still it's there so about five months later they find another body this one is she had wounds it showed that she fought actually pretty hard against it is what they think and then a month later in December of 1989, they find another. But this one was where it takes a really interesting turn. It was really different. She was fully clothed when they found the body. And they saw no trauma to the body. So they thought it was kind of different. It's a completely different MO. When they brought the body back to the corners and they undressed her, she had been stabbed directly in the heart. And after he did that, he reclothed her. The stab didn't kill her either. He It was from the strangulation. To me, it feels like that Bill likes to have, be very hands-on. Mm-hmm. Strangulation is not something easy to do. No, it's not. So, I mean, I think... But that a lot last of- one, like, clothing her, that seems very different than his previous... Well, this is also the first one that... This is the one he inserted the light bulb in her vagina. Okay. So, you so should- this, is, yeah. this is where his MO starts changing. Gotcha. So, he starts... He also found that vagina or that light bulb in her vagina at one of the corner to her. I feel like that Bill is picking because a lot of t- a lot of these women when they're found they have high levels of drugs of some sort in their system or high levels of alcohol. So I feel like the drugs they're using the drugs. He's using them to somewhat sedate these women, mm-hmm. so he is more able, more capable of attacking them. And he's not a small guy; he's a stocky guy. I think I read he's about six foot, stocky, and about two twenty. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a not a small person. Not at all. So they did find a lot of evidence at this crime scene. I think he 
took more time with this one, considering he reclosed her and stuff. They found tire tracks this time, more pubic hair, and more fibers. And they were able to match the pubic hair and fibers from this one to the other one. So they know their link. Right here, where he, he does this light bulb in the vagina, though, is when his crimes really start taking off. So he kills one in January of 1990. She, she was attacked so aggressively that she almost bit tongue. She almost what? Bit through her tongue. Ah. Um, the same tire tracks that were found at the previous scene was found at this one. So they were able to link it that way. They had another murder in February with the same hair fibers. It seems like there's a small break from no, from February 1990 to November 1990. And now that I think about it, I think that's whenever he, about the time he got married. And, oh, it is about time. He got married in March of 1990. Hmm. So he takes a little bit of a break, about six months. I guess this is whenever he has his baby and beats the other baby. I guess he had some other, yeah. someone yeah. else to put his anger to. Yeah, another form of release. Yeah, I was going to say that. And, uh, you know, Sometimes life just gets in the way of murdering. <laughs> For real. So he starts in <laughs> November 1990, and this was the one that he was really aggressive on. This is when he started mutilating. I'm assuming it was maybe because it had been a while, or maybe because his daughter had been taken away with from him. You know, he had all that pent-up anger. Or maybe because she survived. And that could be it, too. Or And maybe that he's back on radar again. Yeah. He manipulated this girl. He cut off her left, her right breast, and left it right beside her head. And after this, he murders again December 1990, January 1991, April 1991. The one in April 1991 was the one that was found outside of the bowling alley, and she had been posed, which only one percent, according to FBI data, of serial killers or killers ever pose a body. So it's a very small amount. He posed her body and placed a toilet plunger coming out of her vagina, right outside of a bone alley where kids are at. I feel like it's kind of tawny now. In July 1990, this one... I just... How do you go from a light bulb to a plunger? I don't... I don't know... Maybe it's just what's around him. Uh, I don't know why that stuck out to me either. Just like that's one radical to the next. It's like he was like, just grab the thing closest to me. Yeah, it had to open. And this is what's weird. Do you know the care that he would have had to do to get that light bulb in her vagina without it breaking? Uh, yeah. Right? That was so thin. And it, that, yeah, it took a lot of work from him. But then that takes time and posing this one took time. I think he's kind of just getting, you know how they say they kind of loosen up? getting kind of careless he's taking time doing these things that are out of the ordinary for him yeah so after the girl the girl in 1991 with the toilet plunder he kills again in july 1991 this one was actually had left her alive she had been tied some branches of a tree and it looked like that she was trying to crawl away i tried to find some more evidence on causes of death or information i couldn't find anything else other than it all the reports say that she was likely left alive and crawled because she got a little while further a bit more than likely if she's left in the trees animals are going to get to you i mean he wouldn't have left her out there if he thought she was going to survive no not, he does not leave people alive he's not, he's not careless yet or he had beaten her so much that he thought she was already dead true and so that was in july 1991 in august of 1991 this is where the task force finally gets their first break in this man so they a man driving a gray van try to pick up a prostitute new near the university of california he gives her in the car and you know they start talking and getting things together and he starts hitting her and just beating the shit out of her and she's like there was no reason for him to be hitting me there was nothing nothing called called for him hitting me so she jumps out of the moving van so now you have a witness so she was able to give them a sketch of him in the description of the van so an apb was put out finally which ends up being in their benefit so when bill was unsuccessful with this woman and she jumped out he hauled off but 
he only went down to the next couple streets over where it was still red light district and picked up this girl's friend. I feel they like found- it's really careless just to, I mean, why start beating her right there unless you're just that out of control? He, that's exactly what it is. It's like he's getting out of control. That I'm glad you said that. I couldn't think of the wording for that. It was just brain farting on it. Yeah. So he picks up her friend and when they find her friend's body, it's still warm. Mm. So he had it done it within what, an hour? His body temperature drops quickly after right so so even though they have the sketch and all this information a month goes by it's september 1991 and they find another body this one was different because she was african-american a lot of the information says that he might have switched it up a little bit because they out as only seeking white women prostitute right he was trying to kind of change his mo or was going after this woman so because they weren't he wasn't looking for this man because he was only picking white women mm-hmm. and he mutilated this woman's body he had cut off her right breast as well the only difference is it was the scene this time he had taken it with so he took that with him after he cut it off so we're in september and october another body in december another body which was also missing the right breast and she was also found with distance of the police station so he's he is taunting the police now yeah the police finally get their big break on January 9th, 1992, which was, you know, a month later. And off was patrolling the red light district and he had saw this van make an illegal U-turn and it, the van resembled the gray van that they had the APB on. Mm-hmm. So he pulled him over and cut. So what he does when he's pulling him over, he doesn't even go to the guy. He just immediately calls for backup because they think it's some kind of crazy criminal. Poor cop walks up to him. And Bill was completely polite to him. Was I mean, they said he was like the nicest person ever. The most polite person. Well, he knows how to play people. So what becomes the benefit to them is when they ran his name through the computer, it found out that his license had been suspended and his registry. So that gave them the ability to arrest him and transport him at this time. So now that they have arrested and him, that means that they can search his vehicle. Right. Found pretty nice, along with some other pieces of evidence that they think linked him to it. Oddly enough, Bill was a warehouse clerk at the time of his arrest, and he was delivering furniture to the task force that was investigating its killing. So when they knew disc or whatever, he was the one that went up to the building into that office. And I could just imagine it, the big old cork board with the pictures and the lines, you know, like you see on our show. Mm. And Bill's just like, huh, He was the what? He, he worked for a, a warehouse clerk, and he was delivering delivering furniture oh, and he delivered okay. it to the police department that awaiting him gotcha so, so he still stuff is arrested they have proof of at least out of the murders they have 13 murders that they're linked together the earlier ones or 1990 it's harder for them to link because there wasn't any evidence but the mo's the same um of course they're all prostitutes all on drugs. They were all raped, stabbed, and strangled. His trial wasn't actually a speedy trial. It took a while. He didn't go to trial until March 25th, 1996. I'm guessing that's also because how many victims he had. I mean, that'd be a lot of evidence to go through. It is. It has to be. He had a jury of seven men and five women. There was over 30 witnesses that talked. Wow. The most damning thing that they did that actually really tied him in was the fiber evidence. Criminologist, the leading one of their state, her name was Faye Springer. She said that all the hairs that they found were matched to Bill's. Every single fiber that they found was linked to his home or his van. They actually found a bloody towel at one of the crime scenes and that actually had fiber. Towels from that fiber were actually in his van. So it's linking them back and forth. Right. So the trial goes on for 54 days. The jury took four days of deliberations. He was found guilty of 12 out of the 13 murders. He was guilty of one count of attempted murder, which is the woman that got away. Right. There's a, He's also found guilty for multiple murder, use of a deadly weapon, and lying in wait. I don't know exactly what it was. I'm assuming that might be a charge 
related to California. Because you know how we all have our own separate charges as well. Right. On August 17th, he was given a death sentence. He is currently serving time in a San Quentin cell that is 11 feet, 3 inches by 4 feet and 5 inches. He does not have one at one disciplinary act on his record. He's in good health. They said he can lose a few pounds. Could you imagine that in prison? Considered a great aid due to his behavior, and he's able to move around a lot more in death than the others. But everything said and done, the prosecutor still considers him a self-involved egotistic. He has done multiple appeals, and he continues to state that he's sent, that he's not guilty of anything. He has been on death row for 15 years, two months, and he won't be put to death anytime soon, especially with everything that changed in California. Yeah. There's well, like 700. Probably not people, ever. There's like 750 people on death row in California. Yeah. Hope and they opt executions. Yeah. So, so he is just going to wait the rest of his life out writing books and doing interviews. He, uh, one of his friends had written a book with his poetry and stuff in it and his recipes. And he was actually able to do like a interview in San Quentin on a talk show, his recipe book. That's insane. I did want to list all these women by name. Please do. They deserve to be remembered. We have, I will do the the 12 that he got convicted for, and then the other ones. He was convicted of 12 by jury for Kimberly Little, Tina Lee, Darla Ferguson, Carol Miller, Cheryl Coker, Susan Steinfeld, Kathleen Milleen, Kelly Hammond, Catherine McDonald, Delilah Zamora, Eleanor Tarez, and the women that he didn't get convicted for. We have Michelle Gutierrez, Charlotte Palmers, Linda Ortega, Martha Young, Linda Ruse, Judy Angel, and Cheryl Pess. Pesora. I did find a lot of information. This most of the information I found, there was a lot of very well written what's the word I'm looking for? Articles, well written articles on the LA Times. Mm-hmm. I also found on Killer Cloud, Wikipedia, and Murderpedia. But that is the story of this horrible being that deserved to breathe the same air as us. If anyone's a horrible being, this man is. I agree. And you know, a lot of times when you read these articles, I mean, we all do the research. You look back at their childhood and they have like shitty childhoods. He didn't. He was in a house with his parents. Uh, they didn't even divorce after he was out of high school. When he gets yeah, out of jail... Killing his baby, he goes back home to his mother. Yeah, so. he's one of those exception the um nature. I don't know, like the nature. Yeah. What gets me about him is he has no remorse. Well, I'm gonna admit he did it. I mean, they have proof linking him to this. Yeah, so and he's he a true it. psychopath. So you know, I found him by looking at that that killer cloud cloud website. Yeah, you have um, me obsessed with that now. Isn't it really well done? Yes, it you is. It by different order, if you want to do a kind of death or a certain kind of people or a certain IQ level. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. Or uh, like all the Capricorn killers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we should do an episode of that. We hey, should. I'm a Capricorn here. I'm not. That's just when I pulled out of my asshole. <laughs> you're, you're a Leo. Oh, yeah. We both. Yeah. I'm a Leo. I'm a Virgo. Now I'm looking and Capricorn has the most murder. <laughs> actually, I think I think Virgo's up there too, actually. Hang on, I want to Google it. I am curious. It's just linked to the age. Out of the yeah, I want to look at Eight killers that they have. Fifty-five Homer Capricorn. I just want to let you know that that was one of the first things that popped up. I just really like the way they have statistics on this stuff. It's pretty cool. I feel like it's good for getting ideas, but you can't do your research there. Like you have to just get your ideas there. I mean, it it has some basic information. Yeah, like you look into the statistics, they'll be like, "Our oldest child? Are they the youngest child? Are they the only child? Yeah, are they graduated? All right, all right. I I got some news for you. What? Ouch. Capricorn does have the most serial killers. Can you guess who number two is? Scorpio. Leo. Damn it. (laughs) 
Yeah, Capricorn has 45 and Leo has 46. Well, we are some crazy bitches, so. You see where I'm at. I'm probably like at the very bottom. I'm number six with 39. How is Gemini not like number one? Let me see. Where is Gemini? Gemini is number five. They're tied with Aces. But this is also only out of like 500. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many like have these either, but um, it is like a little article that I just. That's pretty cool, though. We should do that one day. Like, name it. That would be cool. Ooh, hey, uh, Lacey. Yes. Uh, the one you're doing, her, she's also known as the Blood Countess, right? Yes. She is a Leo. She is a Leo. I did not notice that. <laughs> well, I was curious on the famous number, and that's the first one that pops up. <laughs> she oh is. Because okay. her birthday is Ox- August 7th. Oh, my dude's a Leo, too, then. We got that crazy. We're all going to be doing a Leo theme and not even know <laughs> Actually, my, my guy doesn't have a birthday. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Are y'all ready for my bloody countess? I am super ready. Okay. This was one that I probably shouldn't have taken on because it's a lot. And if I don't do it justice, then I tried. You did. I bet you will. So Countess Elizabeth Bathory is who we're going to be talking about today. She was a wealthy and powerful Hungarian noblewoman whose relations included an uncle who was king of Poland and her nephew who was Prince of Transylvania. Her family was also made up of cardinals knights, judges. When she was 11, she was betrothed to Ferenc Nadesi. And I'm going to butcher all of these words, so just bear with me. He was of another aristocratic Hungarian family, and he was known as the Black Knight of Hungary. They were married um, when Elizabeth was 15 on May 8th, 1575. She was born on August 7th. 1560, and not even going to try to say it, Hungary. She is referred to as the Blood Countess or the real Count Countess Dracula. She is labeled by Guinness World Records as the most prolific serial, female serial killer, although we won't ever know the true number of her victims. It's anywhere from 80 to 650. Um, Her story is very full of speculation and not a lot of fact. I'm going to try to go through both sides as best as I can. So growing up, Elizabeth was raised around of a, around a lot of power, but she did have an aunt and uncle who taught her witchcraft, Satanism, and sadism. Hmm. Good aunt and uncle. Yes. So, (laughs) keeping it real in the royals here. Um, she was known as a child to have epileptic epileptic seizures and extreme outbursts of rage, which was usually directed at whichever servant was closest. It is believed that she had these issues due to inbreeding. Her parents were Baron George Bathory and Baroness Anna Bathory. They were cousins. Okay, that was going to be my question. Do we know how she was... Yes, they were cousins, and they did not believe that it counted as inbreeding. They were just trying to keep the Bathory bloodline going. Royal blood. Yes. So because Elizabeth was matched up with another aristocratic family, she didn't have to be inbred. I mean, she didn't have to, you know. But they did to keep her bloodline going. Uh, She was very attractive, well-educated, wealthy, and powerful. Her marriage to Ferenc Nadse gave her control of all of his estates when he was off at war. 
which was often. Ten years after her marriage, the couple began to have children. They had a total of five, but two died as infants. Farink, her husband as a soldier, was known for disemboweling and paling and playing football with the heads of Turkish captives. He was an ambitious soldier and was often away because he led the army. When he was away, Elizabeth was in charge of his estates and all of the responsibilities that came with being the countess. She became a widow at 43 in 1604. He died in battle and everything that was his became Elizabeth's responsibility full-time. After his death is when Elizabeth began her supposed killing spree. So this is where I'm going to start to go back and forth and I'll try to point out where I'm iffy on it or not, but I kind of want y'all to draw your own conclusions too. So legend states after her husband passed away, she moved to one of the smaller castles called Kachki in Northwest Hungary now Slovakia. She began surrounding herself with a cohort of servants to help her with her torture practices. One day, an attendant girl was brushing her hair when she accidentally pulled too hard and it tugged on a snag in her hair. The countess erupted in anger, jumping up and striking her with the back of her hand. The strike was so hard, the girl bled and the blood was on Elizabeth's hand. Um, Later that night, The countess looked down and noticed the skin where the girl's blood was looked completely restored and way more youthful. And in some places it says translucent. Um, This led her to believe that if she drank or bathed in the blood of virgins, she would regain all youthfulness. So the crimes that she was accused of, I'm just going to state them pretty much all at once, and then go over the rest of the story. She was accused of covering her victims in honey and leaving them outside for at least 24 hours so he or she would be covered in insect bites. The person would eventually collapse. At this time, Elizabeth would place pieces of soaked paper soaked in oil between their toes, and she enjoyed how, even though they were halfway dead, instinctively moved their feet trying to like stop from burning, trying to get away from the fire. Um, During colder parts of the year, she would strip her victims naked and place them into deadly ice baths, or she would throw them naked into the snow and leave them, or she would throw them naked into the snow and pour boiling hot water on them so she could pull their skin off. She would torture girls by driving needles into their fingers, like underneath their fingernail, and if she saw that the needle a needle was out or if the girl was trying to take it out she would cut the whole finger off um she had a really odd obsession with scissors um so she would just like go around and like if she didn't like your nose she would just cut off your nose gonna be a weird thing to say but uh there were scissors back in that day yeah i guess so i mean (laughs) have to be for like dressmaking and shit i'm just like thinking like, here's, here's my question is, how far back, like, this popped into my question, maybe this is a stoner question, I don't know. How far back do scissors go? That's a good question. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you guys, that just popped in my head like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
So (laughs) she would cut off their nose or their lips, or she would whip them or beat them with clubs or pretty much anything else available that was sturdy enough to beat someone with. She would burn them with hot irons and in some cases stitch their mouths shut. It was also stated that she had an iron maiden that she would suspend and stand under and it would rotate like a rotisserie, so the blood would rain down on her. But this is the 1600s, and I'm pretty sure, unless I'm just pulling this out of left field, but I don't think Iron Maidens were even a thing until, like, the 19th century. So scissors are 3,000 do what? I need to first. Oh, sorry. Um, This goes back to the thing. Yeah. So... She was also known to bite chunks out of shoulders and or breasts, as well as burn burning the flesh, including genitals of some victims. Some suggest that the intimate nature of her torture provided a sexual motivation. Other forms of torture were forcing victims to cook and eat their own flesh, stand in buckets of ice water outside until they literally froze to death, starvation, poisoning, and on one occasion, having a gypsy man sewn up into the belly of a dead horse while he was alive. That's interesting. She would light a candle and sodomize them. She would do it. You gotta have that candle. Yeah. Warm it up. Um, She would beat them so bad you could scoop up their blood by the handful and she was known to bathe in it. So that was pretty much everything in a nutshell what she was accused of doing. Young women began to disappear from villages near and far as well as children. Unhappy girls were lured to the castle with the idea that they would have work but were never seen again. When they arrived, they were locked in a cellar as they waited for their torture. Let's see if I can pronounce this right. Count Georgi Thurzo, he oversaw judicial matters as the Lord Palatine of Hungary, and he was ordered by King Matthias to investigate Elizabeth. And I want to point out here that Georgi Thurzo is Elizabeth's cousin. Um, So he was only supposed to be investigating the Countess's alleged crimes against women of noble birth. Any mistreatment of servants was not a concern to the authorities because she was the Countess and it wasn't against the law to kill your servants if they weren't doing what you wanted them to do. That's nice. I mean. Yeah. So, I mean. Like, like you're not good at your job, so uh, we're going to have to end it. Fucked up, yes. But at the same time, I don't know, so long ago. And you'll see my theory at the end. So, uh, it was Christmas season when Elizabeth was celebrating a holiday um, at a smaller manor in town. One of her servants, a young girl named Dorcia, was caught stealing a pair. Elizabeth ordered that the girl be taken to the laundry room where she was stripped naked and tied. Elizabeth and her servants, the ones that she had helping her, um, took turns attempting to beat her to death with a club. But she grew tired of trying to beat her to death because she was strong-willed and just would not die. Elizabeth gave up and had one of her servants stab her to death with a pair of scissors again with the scissors um and then she was told to drag her outside and they would dispose of her in the morning elizabeth was so soaked in blood that she had to change her clothes she went to her chambers to do that and her servants were taking the girl's body outside prince thurzo 
and his raiding party choose this time to arrive at the castle. Um, Georgi and his raiding party ordered the servants to stand back. Three of them are females and one male. The girl's body that they had just beaten and then stabbed to death was still warm. They searched the premises and revealed two more brutally murdered girls. Prince Thoreau's arresting party went to her chambers to arrest her only to find her sitting on a stool chewing on the body parts of a girl lying in front of her. Further search of the property revealed numerous decaying bodies hidden at the bottom of the tower. So for years, supposedly, they had been getting complaints that she was too cruel to her servant, but King Matthias finally intervened because Bathory had begun finding victims among the daughters of local nobles in need. So the local families that were struggling would send their daughters to her, hoping that being around her would get them more attention and get them kind of educated, I guess. But then those the no- noble girls started disappearing. It wasn't just peasant girls. So that's when King Matthias stepped forward. In January 1611, Bathory and four of her servants that had been helping her were put to trial for 80 counts of murder. There was a problem with this though, because if Elizabeth went to trial and was found guilty, then the crown would take over possession of all of her property, and her family didn't want that. Um, King Matthias actually owed the countess a lot of money, and this is a speculation of why he was going after her, so he could take her property and not have to pay her back. So the servants were tortured and interviewed and um, publicly executed. One of her servants, or I don't know if it was a servant, but someone came forward and stated that there was a journal with over 650 names total, but the diary was never found. Um, Instead of execution to save her family money and her family's place in the crown, she was boarded up or locked up in a room in one of her smaller castles until her death. So she never really had a trial, never got to speak up for herself. The room she was confined to only had slits for air and food. On August 21st, 1640, Elizabeth told her bodyguard that her hands were cold. He told her, it's nothing, mistress, just go lie down. She was found dead the next morning at the age of 54. Any mention of her name was prohibited in Hungary for 100 years. So if anybody was caught even saying her name, they were to be executed. That kind of makes me think of uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) She shall not be named. Um, So her final resting place is an undisclosed location. Um, I don't know why, but they won't disclose where she was buried. After the executions of her servants, though, Thurzo continued to investigate the Countess. He's never able to find the diary or book with the 600 plus names. The number of victims varied in other testimonials, and the exact death toll remains unknown. Evidence gathered and all of his interviews, which included 289 witness statements. And I don't know, like, you you either thought she was a bloodlusted monster or you thought she was not. I don't know. (laughs) So after this... Sorry, that also reminds me of our uh, current president. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like he's either the worst thing in the world or eh, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first account, because you would think if this is going on, it's going to spread like crazy. Like no matter what you say, you can't say her name. You can't bring her up. It's still going to go around. But the first actual account of her killing spree appeared in 1729, more than a century after her death. And a book, Tragica Historia by... Jesu scholar Laszlo Tarazzi. After this first publication, rumors and stories spread quickly throughout the country and abroad. Elizabeth was described with vampire-like tendencies and was said to have bitten her victims and drank their blood. The stories of her serial murders and brutality were said to have been verified with testimony of more than 300 witnesses and as well as physical evidence and the presence of horribly mutilated, dead, dying, and imprisoned girls found at the time of her arrest. Problem is, there is no trial records. There are no... There's no evidence. This is 100 years later. Um, so I started reading historian Gaber Barconi believes that the torture tools and the death of young girls was actually Bathory's attempt at medicine and surgery. Because of her role as countess, she was responsible for providing medical care to her people. And she was not a doctor. She was a trained witch. Um, if you think back to her childhood, she was taught witchcraft. So having a female witch trying to doctor people, burning flesh, and her helping girls who were raped get abortions, they wouldn't come forward to clear her name. And also in this time period, I'm going to kind of go off on a, it's going to sound like a conspiracy, but I'm going to go off on it anyway. During this time period, there's four women of power who were labeled almost the exact same way as Elizabeth. So first you have Elizabeth from 1560 to 1614. She ran the largest estates in Transylvania, becomes widowed, and then all of a sudden becomes an ugly demon killing innocent peasant girls. And her main accuser benefits from her downfall. And then we move on to La Quintrala from 1604 to 1665. She was a beautiful, beautiful, smart Spanish noblewoman who ran the largest largest estate in colonial Chile without a man by her side. She was widowed at 50 but she was known also as an ugly demon killing and torturing innocent laborers. Her main accuser also benefited from her downfall. She was also not present at her trial, and she died at age 61 alone in isolation, and her grave location is also unknown. I'm going to butcher this next name so bad. Salty Chica, <laughs> 1730 to 1801. She um, same though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she was an, a Russian aristocrat. Um, she became a widow at 26 and ran a large estate without a man. And then all of a sudden, when she becomes a widow, she also becomes this ugly demon killing and torturing innocent slaves. So it's like a pattern. There's these four women that become powerful and they all turn into these bloodthirsty demons, witches, whatever you want to call them. Madame Lalaurie, um, from 1780 to 1849, she was a beautiful and smart French aristocrat 
she ran the largest estate in Colin, Colin, oh my God, Colonial Louisiana without a man by her side. She was widowed at 24 and then again at 34. And then she also becomes a demon killing and torturing innocent black slaves using their blood for rejuvenation. So all four of the women were around the same time period with similar accusations. So were they really demonic, bloodthirsty witches, or did the narrative just fit those who wanted the power or the things that these women had? Because, I mean, think back to that time, God forbid a woman be in power of anything. So it is unlikely that... Elizabeth was completely innocent. I'm not saying that at all. In 1602, a priest wrote a letter that discussed the excessive cruelty exhibited by Bathory and her husband towards their servants. The testimony against her could have included true tales with how harshly she acted with the lower class, but such acts were not illegal at the time. Bathory was only punished because her victims were said to have included a noblewoman. So if it was only her slaves, then nothing would have ever been done ever. Um, kind of gonna go back here a little bit, go back into the story. King Matthias and the imperial family owed substantial amounts of money to the countess, which they had trouble paying back due to the lack of cash flow. This provided motive to have her eliminated because if he had her eliminated, he it eliminated his debt to her, but also forfeited all of her belongings to him as the crown. Um, it's known that confessions from Bathory's alleged accomplices were obtained through torture, and they were subsequently executed immediately after giving the testimony. Elizabeth's supposed list of victims has never been found, nor have any other key documents that could shed light on true facts. However, unless something magically happens and further evidence emergency emerges to completely free her of the accusations folk legends and pop media will always ensure that she is forever remembered as the blood countess so the question i have for you guys did she really torture and murder all of those innocent young girls up to 650 uh i think number the 650 is kind of exaggerated but i do partially fit yeah i think there's some truth to the story it might be exaggerated or changed. It's it's kind of you know, like any, um, I don't know what the word is, like any story, I guess. I don't know. It's like, you know, you hear it one way and then the next person tells it a different way and then it just it becomes, becomes yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. So but with that with that being said, I think I, I really want to um Madame LaLaurie because she is worse. Yeah. So, so my uh, thought on her after reading all of the things i think she was brutal and i think because she she beat her servants or peasants however you want to look at it so severely that most of the time by the time she was done she was covered in their blood i don't think she was actually scooping up piles of blood to take a bath like that part of the story i feel like is completely exaggerated yeah and you think back um, I'm not sure when this came around, but I'm sure basic, I guess, normal people would not have known how much blood a person, you know, like a body have. Right. So if you're beaten to like a pulp, it may look like there's enough to scoop up. 
you know what I mean? Right. But my so theory, like, holy cow! Yeah, my theory is she's covered in blood, and that's what they're saying is she's bathing in their blood. Which is that okay? No, but it's a little bit different than I'm gonna take a bath blood. in your blood. Right? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like her in a bathtub. Blood is more like mm-hmm. sure she probably did murder her servants, and mm-hmm. she probably did beat the heck out of them, and and was probably a huge blood scene. (laughs) Yeah. So do I think she's innocent? No. But do I think that she is this awful blood countess that she's been made out to be for so many years? I just don't see it. I think it's highly exaggerated. Yeah, pro- it's very highly exaggerated. It's like, it's too far over. Like, And I would have never even realized it until I started digging in. But then the more I dug, I was like, okay, this is so exaggerated and everything... Every site you go to is like one extreme to the next. So you have to like really choose what you research because it's either you believe that she's this awful person or you don't. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think it's almost like they created their own um, like folklore kind of out of her. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes, she did this and she probably was terrible, Mm -hmm. but they're like, oh, let's make it into this whole nother story. Right. But I think what it came down to was the witchcraft. And if she, if she wasn't put to trial and wasn't um, sent for execution, that meant that her family um, gained control of all of her estates, money, belongings, everything. Um, If she was sent to trial and executed, then all of that would have gone to the crown. So I feel like it's partially set up by her family because her family was partially who was investigating her. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about it that way. Because the main person investigating her is her cousin. Okay. So it could be like one huge conspiracy. Yeah. And she had son-in-laws. I mean, she, there was all these men that could have stepped up and taken over after her husband died, but she kept running everything. Mm. And And, in that in those days, you know, women did not have power. No, they did not want a woman in power. So my, my theory is that she was not a good person, but she was also not a Vampire? No. <laughs> no. Well, you did a very good job, by the way. Yes. Thanks. Loved it. It was a lot. I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of back and forth. In the end, I feel like the men in her life, her son-in-laws, her cousins, everyone around her was like, okay, we've got to take control of this. There's already accusations going around. This is how we can spin it. So what if it was the other way? Like instead of there being like them straight up being against, you know, wanting to take control. What if it's the other way? Like they're like, okay, she's really terrible. Like let it, we have to get her out like ASAP. Like maybe it hadn't gotten that far yet, but maybe it was escalating and they're like, "Mm, we better do something about it. I don't know. But the only thing the only thing is is her family is like, no, she will not testify. Like they 
So they didn't even give her a chance, huh? Mm-mm. That's right. They just locked her away. That is also one of the worst executions, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Because if she was put to trial and found guilty, then her family lost everything to the crown. So they weren't yeah. willing to take that chance. That's kind, that's kind of understandable, though. Yeah. I mean, not that it's a good thing, but it's just a crappy situation for them. All right. Let me pull him up. Okay. So since it is October... And I am all for October and all this spooky stuff, um, even though I don't watch scary movies. <laughs> what month is it again? October, I think. <laughs> you Although, said you know, like four times and I couldn't say. Did I? Well, it's past my bedtime, to be fair. <laughs> so you like okay, I do. I love the fall and all the good stuff, all the creepy stuff. So I kind of wanted to do, like, every week, do a different kind of spooky creepy thing. So this week I am doing um Robert the doll. Yay. <laughs> and I'm just going to let you guys know that there are about based on this story and I'll get to that. But um I could not watch them. I could not watch the first one because it freaked me out and I didn't even get that far into it cuz anxiety and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so So, okay, so there's a young boy named Eugene Robert Otto. He was given a -a one-of-a-kind doll in the early 1900s. There's two different versions of how he got the doll. Um, One was by, it was made by a servant who was working for his parents. But there's also speculation that it was given to him from his grandfather when he took a trip to Germany. And that this is like a um, special German-made doll or something like that. So, Eugene... Named the doll Robert, which, I mean, little narcissist to name him after himself. But, and it quickly, they quickly became attached to each other, apparently. The house that they lived in was built in 1890 or 1890, sorry. It was built between 1890 and 1898. This house is also known as the artist house. Um, It is where the friendship was formed and it lasted throughout uh uh, lasted throughout Jean's lifetime and beyond. Robert the doll seemed to be an ordinary cloth doll, but he became involved in strange and somewhat terrifying events. The first event that was, uh, that was, sorry, the first event that something was up one night, Jean was 10 years old. He woke to find Robert the doll sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him, which not, I'm not a doll, but I did used to do that to my mom, like sleepwalking. That means you're an asshole. <laughs> I'm sure she would agree with that. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. (laughs) So, anyways, moments later, his mom was awakened by Jean's screams for help, begging his mother to rescue him. Uh, There were sounds of furniture being overturned in her son's bedroom. When she was finally able to get to the door and get it open, she saw Jean curled up in fear on his bed. His room was destroyed and Robert the doll was sitting at the foot of the bed like nothing happened. The only words Jean could get out, the only words that Jean could get out were, Robert did it. He would use this phrase many times throughout his childhood when mysterious things would happen. So... Did Robert actually do it? Nobody knows why or how this toy could actually wreak havoc on a bedroom or really do anything at all because it's, you know, a doll, although dolls are creepy. Um, And I'm going to say this. I didn't write this in my notes, but um, I did see on a show called The Dead Files where the medium that does it, she stated that uh, dolls were meant to capture like souls, kind of like they keep souls of loved ones kind of thing. It's really anyways, they're creepy in general. Um, But anyways, the... Weird events did not stop here. Jean's parents 
What? Go back a second. What year was the house built? It was built between uh, 1890 and 1898. I was just wondering. My house was built in 1894. Well, it's probably haunted. It is. (laughs) Have you been saved yet? Sprinkle some holy water? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it worked. Ooh, you got something more powerful. Maybe a skinwalker in there, <laughs> which is a whole nother episode, by the way. I think I think something's attached itself to Brindley, so... Next we're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sucks for her, for yeah. Brindley. You're going to have to sage her. Yeah. No bad. But you know what? Um, it could be a couple of things, too. I know we're way off topic now, but um, could be... Like, she could be sensitive, like a sensitive. Yeah. Um, And she doesn't know how to, uh, you know, be able to shut that door. Yeah. Tell her it's time to go. Yeah. Um, Or it could be something that she manifested, like a poltergeist kind of thing. Yeah. I I figure once she gets older, if she's still sensitive to it, then we'll deal with it then. Right. You can put her on psychic kids. I like that show. I can. (laughs) (laughs) Only if I get Perry. Right, yes. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> um, so like I said, there was no question like, did he really do it? Was it just Gene like acting out and blaming it on him? However, the weird events did not stop, and Gene's parents would often hear him upstairs talking to the doll and getting responses back, which was in a completely different voice. They reported seeing the doll speak, witnessed his expressions change, giggled, and there were sightings of Robert running up the steps and staring out of the upstairs Sorry, window. I didn't understand. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Google Home just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Who summoned Google Home? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think when I said giggling, it, it thought I said Google. Um, anyways... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there were sightings. Realized what? Now I just realized my back is to a whole room. <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing this late at night. Yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, they saw him. Um, there were sightings of him staring out the upside upstairs window. Gene kept Robert until he was a grown man, which I don't know how his parents let that happen. That's an issue. After, yeah, after his parents died, he moved back into the home with his wife, Anne. And the doll. This is really, do what? Not that I'm being a smart What would you say, though? I said, and the doll. Actually, hold on. <laughs> oh, no. Gene decided that the doll needed a room of his own. He gave him a room with the window that overlooked the street. So, obviously, his wife was like, fuck this. I need a divorce now. No, she did not divorce him. <laughs> But she was, of course, creeped out by the doll, and she wanted Gene to lock him up in the attic. And this way, he could do no harm. And Gene decided to put him in the attic, and obviously, Robert was not happy about his new accommodations. Visitors to the home would hear footsteps coming from the attic, pacing back and forth, and devilish giggles. Neighborhood children saw Robert watching them from the window. They told accounts, huh? Keeping Robert, right? And they told accounts of the doll actually mocking them as they walked to school. I don't really know what they mean by. 
mocking them? I don't know how that works. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. I, I mean, I guess. I don't know. When Gene heard these stories, though, he immediately went to check because Robert was supposed to be in the attic, right? To his complete shock, when he opened the bedroom door, there was Robert sitting in the rocking chair by the window. Gene locked him up several times, and each time he discovered him sitting by the window in the same upstairs bedroom. That's what happened. Yeah. Right? He gets, I mean, he gets a... Uh, What's the word? Uh, spoiled. I mean, can't take the back. I know. So Gene Otto died in 1974. When a new owner moved into the house, their 10-year-old daughter was so excited to find Robert the doll. Mm, no. Her delight quickly ended, of course. She claimed that the doll was alive and he wanted to hurt her. She often woke up in the middle of the night screaming in fear and told her parents that Robert was moving around the room. In 1994, Myrtle Reuter, which is the same girl, she kept him for this long, she donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum, which is in um, uh, the Key West in Florida. Uh, she claimed that he moved around her house on his own and that he was haunted. A few months, li- a few months later, Myrtle died, but Robert remained active and actually still remains active to this day. So what's his deal? Many believe evil lies in the person who gave Gene Otto the doll. This is where I I always had heard that it was the servant. Um, I actually only recently heard about the grandfather giving it to him. Um, So from what I had heard, I guess, in my stories was that um, Gene Otto was given the doll by the servant who worked for Gene's parents. The woman was supposedly very mistreated and to punish them, it is believed that she cursed the doll with voodoo and black magic. This might explain the mysterious and frightening experiences. If this is true, though, wouldn't the haunting die with the family? No one knows why he is still haunting people. What remains constant is Robert the doll continues to taunt and scare those who come to view him, especially guests who attempt to take photos with him. Many reports of the cameras, their cameras being inoperable when they try to take the picture, and then they start working as soon as they leave the museum. Robert the doll sits in a glass case. This does not stop him from inflicting fear and discomfort to not only museum visitors, but the staff as well. Staff members report facial expressions changing, hearing demonic giggling, and he is seen to be putting his hand on the glass. So as I said, you can meet Robert at the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, come on. going to suggest a road trip. Do what? I was just going to suggest a road trip. You know what? I am so down. As long as we don't ha- as long as we don't take his picture without permission, we're good. You can ask him and then it's fine. <laughs> Visitors are welcome to view him and they are encouraged to try to get a photo. Most who have tried are unsuccessful. But either way, you can get a close look at Robert and watch him carefully. Try to catch a glimpse of him smirking, moving in the case, or just watching you. Watch him. So I pulled out three encounters. Um, One encounter I got from Reddit, of course. (laughs) The other two I actually got from TripAdvisor. What? Yeah. (laughs) They are like, these are legit reviews. (laughs) On TripAdvisor. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the first one is the Reddit one. And these are um, like exact words from these people. I went on vacation with my family to Key West a few years ago. We decided to go to the museum to visit. And I honestly did want to go see Robert in person because I had read about him before. I took a picture at one point that had him in the background. It was not a direct picture of him. This was enough to get his attention though, but I did delete the picture later and it no longer exists. When he visited me, this means the entity moved from the doll. I heard laughing and turned on the light to see the metal pole 
cord on the fan like to turn it on it was on but i had never seen it move the chain prior to this so it was on the fan was on but the chain was not moving but the chain was spinning around like someone had pulled it or was messing around with it this was the extent of any interaction i have had with this entity away from the doll itself nothing happened while i was at the museum or during the day up to this point since taking the picture and the visit i have not had anything that i could call unfortunate or terrible in a life-ruining way i have a nice job that i know i like now and life has been normal. I think there's a chance Robert may know when somebody makes a mistake or is intentionally going up to take a picture with full knowledge of what they're doing. Basically, if you play with fire in this case, you will probably get burned.